Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 210. I'm your host, Greg. I'm here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. Um, actually, news happened like before we recorded, which is generally very rare. Normally, we get all the way through and then something happens. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, thanks, Lou, for making our night and for making us like not make that trade. But uh, I want to get how you guys are doing tonight. We are going to be doing player grades. I mean, player tier ranking. Um, rather than grades, because if we do individual grades for everyone, it takes forever. So we're going to kind of go yeah. by tiers. But Ryan, how are you? Tired. So same. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, same. No, I'm good. Uh, basement got started today. So that I guess on the opposite end, that's where I'm wired. So we're going to have a, a basement in the next month that'll be pretty much finished. Tyler, that's excitement for you because you'll have a lo- your own little place to sleep and shower and everything. So Tyler just going to end up moving in with you. Probably. Tyler can be, yeah, Tyler, Tyler can be free labor, man. Free babysitter. Save a lot of money. <laughs> uh, I, you know, like I said, I was just I was close to the microphone, you know, kind of rubbing my hands together because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to hear that my basement is getting ready to be uh, built. My basement. You're going to have a 77 inch basement. LG down there. Ooh, wow. Ryan's going to be moving down there soon. Damn right. To get away from everybody. Tyler, how are you? I am fantastic. Got back from the gym and and now I'm ready to talk some hockey. I saw it right as the as that news dropped. I was I was in the middle of a uh, I think I was doing curls and I looked down at my watch and the Elliot Friedman tweet. So uh, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Oh, we will talk more about it. Actually, that's what we'll cover first, because it's news that was on the top of everyone's radar. We were waiting for things to happen. And I'm actually really glad that Iserman didn't make this deal after looking at it. So Vancouver Canucks um, general manager Patrick Alvin, I think, is the one that who first announced it, uh, that the team had acquired forward Anthony Bolivier, uh, center Aturatu, and a protected 2023 first round draft pick, which is top 12 protected from the New York Islanders in exchange for, for this Horvath. year, right? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Next so, year, it's anything. Yeah, they can push it a year. If they finish in the top 12 in draft, then they can push it out to next year. But uh, they did get Bo Horvat, and that is a trade that if I was Iserman, I would not make. That's basically like saying, give us one of your high prospects, because 
Uh, Ratu did play games for the Islanders, but he's one of their top prospects in their system. And then it's give me, I guess, I don't know what your your equivalent for Bavillier would be. Maybe you're going to give him a Michael Rasmussen and you're going to give them your first. And I think the first is what would break it for Iserman. He had said previously that he's not trading picks. And Lou says they want to extend Horvat. It doesn't look like they have the money. It'd be kind of hard for them to make the money unless they off some cap. So Horvat may actually end up being a UFA in the offseason again, which Detroit could go after. But I mean, if I'm in Iserman's position, especially with the reports that came out recently that Iserman is unpleased with some of the additions that he uh, made in the offseason, I'm not really in the position to give up more to try and, and get a Bo Horvat. So what do you, you know, think the other of the trade? thing that the Islanders could could do if, you know, say they fall out of it or something that, and they can't sign both, they can't sign Horvat or like he doesn't want to sign there. I wonder if they could flip him again. I, I know it's not something that you see very often, but I mean, it's some it's something that could certainly be on the table if they do start to fall out of it. People talk about that. They said so, someone jokingly said so in a month when the Islanders are way out of the playoffs, they can just flip Horvat again. Now, whatever team he goes to, he will not be eligible for playoffs. Like if he goes to a playoff team, he won't be eligible for playoffs because it'll be past the deadline at that point. And any player traded past the trade deadline cannot play in the playoffs. I'm not talking about team. that. I'm talking they trade him before the deadline. You think they're going to trade? They could trade him within the next month if they fall out of it. So what if they went on like a ten-game losing streak? Well, currently they are sitting three points behind the Penguins. Okay, so say that three turns into twelve or thirteen. Two points behind the Penguins. Sorry, it could. I mean, if they went on a bender and just like lost six in a row, I mean that. And you it, know it what happened? Could because they don't score very many goals, so. It's certainly a possibility. I guess Horvat does help that, though. He he does, Ideally. and that's the thing. They didn't really give up any of their any of their threats to get Horvat. That's the thing. The Islanders did this move to say, "Hey, we need scoring. We're going to go out and get scoring because their goaltending is great and their defense is respectable." And they go out and get scoring to hopefully help them bump up past the Penguins. They're three points behind the Caps, two points behind the Penguins. So if they bump that up. They're not catching the Rangers six, Rangers at 62 points, I don't think, but they're trying to improve their chances of getting into that wild card spot. Now, if you look at it, the Panthers are at 54 points, the Sabres are at 56, and the Red Wings are at 50. So we're all in that kind of race together. But I mean, like you said, if, if we start doing good, the Panthers continue doing well, the Sabres do well. And if the Islanders with Bo Horvat shit the bed, sure, that trade could happen before the deadline and that I it'd be funny if if anything that'd be comedy because maybe Lou tries at that point to recoup his his assets that he just got rid of I mean for me it looks like off the top looks like a Vancouver won the trade because I don't see how the Islanders extend Horvat for the money he's gonna want plus they gave up their potentially their first say the funniest thing would be if they finished like 13th in the draft order and they miss the playoffs and lose their draft pick. Uh, it's just it's a move. Like I said, a move I would not have made. And I'm, I'm glad Iserman didn't pull the trigger. If, if he was in it, I'm glad he didn't pull the trigger at that price. I mean, I will say if he tries to trade him off again, they definitely have a little bit of wiggle room there. Because what, what did you say before this that Vancouver retained 25 percent of the salary? 
Yeah, they retained 25% of his salary for this season. So right there, what's that busted down to? Is it five? It's like one and a quarter million or something. So he's at under four or he's at under five million. So, yeah, he's at r- roughly four and se- four point seven five right now. No, around uh, it's it's under no. five, uh, four and a half. He's he's around four and a half right now. So now you the Islanders can double that up and retain 50 percent of that for the remainder of the year. So you're pushing him down closer to two, two and a half million right now for retained salary going to the other t- another team that's looking for a playoff spot. Boston that's is where salivating. It could oh yeah, totally. Like this could very this could still work out in where we see Lou somehow get another first round pick back to recoup what he got rid of, and which even works out, that could even work out great because if that's a top twelve pick that they get by shitting the bed somehow. Then he somehow manages to flip Horvat again for another first. Now you got two first-round picks potentially this season. So you think like lose? This is all like same thing we do with Eiserman. Lou Lamarillo playing forty chess over here, trying to stack up picks, knowing I mean, I that he's not going to make playoffs. But that that's one way to potentially look at it, though. I mean, so. we were even looking before we started recording. The Islanders are so old; like half their team is using walkers currently. Defense, and, they're young. Arguably. Sure. Well, sure. Under 30. Let me put that. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So you've got two guys at 28, two at 23, one at 25, one at 26, one at 30 on defense. You only have one, two, three players under 30 years old at forward currently. Uh, besides that are Wallstrom. Active. Yeah. Wallstrom's on IR. And uh, so is Hudson Fashing. But that's it. Like, You've got 32, 31, 33, 30, 31, 31, 33, and they're all making a lot of money. That's a narrow window. And they're all, yeah, their window is like, I mean, it's the crack I I put in my window to let a slight breeze in when it's raining. That is the window that the Islanders currently have right now. Or Ryan, uh, for Star Wars terms, you're running toward a door and it is slowly closing. (laughs) Very Raiders of the Last Ark-esque. Yeah, it's, what's going to happen, though, I think, is the door is going to close and they're going to be stuck on the wrong side of it because it's I mean, like you said, the it's totally possible the Islanders missed the playoffs. Said last time it lost on the West at last. Oh, my I was God. looking at something Ryan. and said last. See, I told you I'm tired. It feels like the Islanders are one of those teams, though, like if they could just get hot, they do have a good enough goalie where they could, you know, make a pretty strong run in the playoffs if they do get there. You know what I mean? Especially considering the way they play hockey they're well, they beat Detroit recently, only allowing two goals. So, that tells you so I don't know. It's it's interesting. I mean, like I said, the, the, they gave up a lot. I I feel like, but it could work out for them. You know what I mean? Like they could end up having their second line center for the future if you know if they can figure out the cap and maneuver it. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but you know, you could still trade a Brock Nelson, or you could trade, you know, a Pajot or someone like that. I don't know. The Pajot one looks worse and worse every year. It seems like. But Brock, Brock Nelson's thirty-one. He's making six million dollars for two more seasons. Yeah, the, and that's that's the crazy. There are some really bad contracts here. I mean, make no mistake. Horvat's next one's going to be what <sighs> nine and a half? No, 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 no. I mean, Horvat might make an eight by seven. Eight. Okay. So but oh, if yeah, you're looking it, at, it can still be an eight year deal, though, with the Islanders, right? Because he got traded there. Mm, I no, think it can. I, I think. No, I think it has to be the last team that signed you. It's going to be seven. Yep, it'd be a seven year deal. Oh, so it would be seven. 
Yeah. Uh, so they don't have. I thought you would have had to have done a sign in. Though a sign. They would have had to have done a sign and trade. Oh, uh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So then they have no leverage, basically. So it's they can give a seven-year deal just like everybody else. Yeah. So and you talk about centers. So here are the here's the center depth currently playing for the Islanders. Uh, you've got Matt Barzell, you've got Anders Lee, you've got Brock Nelson, you've got Bo Horvat, you got JG Padre, you got Casey Sezikis. They're all centers. So what you got like six centers and you've got four center positions, and these are all active roster players. I'm not sure. I don't know where they put Bo unless they move someone to a wing. And I'm I it's just it's a confusing move for me for the Islanders because of the position they're in. And I mean, for me right now, it's a win for the Canucks because they got a first round pick on a guy. There was no chance they were going to sign. So uh, what I want to. Yeah. So what I want to do now, though, is move into our player ranking. Uh, We're at the midpoint of the season. The Red Wings don't play. It is like it's it's really sad times for the hockey community because it's all star break. And instead of being happy about all star break, because if we have said several times on the show, it sucks. The all star game is garbage. The skills comp is slightly entertaining. And um, this is the time where all the stars get injured so that they don't have to go to the all-star break. At least the jerseys are beautiful. Sure. The jerseys are uh, upon uh, introspection with myself. The jerseys are good as long as you're not getting the mostly white one. I like the mostly black one, which would be my Dylan Larkin jersey. I'm probably going to get. But the way we're going to do it this episode this year in previous years, we've gone grade by grade by player by player and uh, took a really long time. So what we're going to do this year is we are going to put them in tiers. I have my top tier, which are A's and high B's mid tier, which is C's and B's and then low tier, which is low C to failing grade. So these are the guys that are really good, been OK, and then have been bad, basically. And I'll give you kind of my rundown. Uh, then we'll get your guys' thoughts on it and we'll go back and forth. But first, we're going to stop the top tier and then halfway through, we'll stop for commercial break. So top tier. And I think I'm pretty in the same camp as most other people. When I say Dylan Larkin, top tier, uh, most cider. He Is this what, what are we talking like? What's our top tier AB range? High, high B and A. So like B plus and A. Larkin I didn't do pluses. I just did single letters. Well, you are you're not an overachiever, Ryan. And that's okay. But you can I don't, fit. I don't you feel can like fit thinking your, that hard about it because it's been a eh, season. You can so. fit your person, you can fit your people into my system. So my top tier is Dylan Larkin, Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, Dominic Kubelik, Michael Rasmussen, Philip Ronick, Oli Mata, Jake Wallman, and Jonathan Berggren. Those are my top tier players right now on this team. Larkin, for obvious reasons, he's been the best player on the team all year. Mo Sider picked it up uh, after he was relieved of Ben Sherratt and has been fantastic. Lucas Raymond also picked it up and has been playing a lot better uh, for the better part of the season now. Kubalik, even though he's cooled off a bit, has still been very effective. Michael Rasmussen, what a dude, man. Like, He's he's that guy right now and just been playing phenomenal hockey after being moved to the wing. And for a guy in Newsy who doesn't like to mention players by name has been like three games in a row where he's mentioned Michael Rasmussen by name. Uh, Philip Hronick, who after having a terrible year last year, has been fantastic this season. Olimata helped him do that. Olimata has also 
uh, had a better half a year this year than he had all year last year. Uh, Jake Wallman, I am afraid he's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my fear currently. And Berggren is coming and done everything you've asked of him. But those that's my top tier players right now. And I kind of want to bounce that off you guys and see if there's anyone you maybe had in there that I didn't or someone you didn't have in there that I did. And we're going to start with Ryan. I think we had pretty much the same list. I mean, my top tier arguably is A's and B's. And I think, let's see, I had Hirona, Karan, Berggren, Larkin, Kubelik, Raymond, Raz, Sider, Mata, Wallman. I think that's almost exactly what you said. I don't think I was missing anybody there. Yeah, the only person I did not have in my top tier was Perron. Perron I did. And mainly because of what he has done in terms of power play. More so early, but he's been consistently one of those guys that you see out there doing things on the ice typically well. So I had him as he was kind of a surprise to me. I know he's got 30 points over 48 games. That's nothing like crazy, but he's got 14 goals, which is tied for second on the team, I do believe. So in that sense, to me, that elevates him a little bit and puts him in my top tier for the season. But I mean, the rest, you you pretty much nailed it. I think Berggren exceeded expectations, even though I think we all assumed he'd be awesome. Raz, you nailed it on the head. He's been probably easily the most improved player coming into this season. Hironik kind of picked up where he left off last season. Uh, Larkin is Larkin. Kubelik, we I don't think we expected the goal surge that he had for early on. It sucks that he's kind of slowed down as much that we're seeing 34 points through 48 games, but that's still, I think, a win in terms of the signing there. Raymond and Mo, they started out slow, but they're now they've picked it up. Mata, you mentioned how he, he started hot as well with Ronick, which I would love them to get back together because I feel like just bury Sharat on your third line and let whoever else is on their, that pairing with him equally suffer. Yeah, it can't be any worse than what we're already seeing. So, and then Wallman, uh, he, I've got him up there just because of what his skating helps elevate Mo Sider to a different level. And they've just been a huge compliment to each other. I don't have the fancy stats up. I know we've talked about them before, but when those two are together, good things happen. So that's all we can ask for. Wallman is also such an offensive presence. Like mm-hmm. he is a, cons- the it thing about shot. him, he's like the problem. He's, he's as consistently a offensive threat as almost any forward on the team, which is really saying something. And I think again, and we had talked about previously, that's the most cider effect. He knows most cider is defensive, so he can jump into the rush. He can shoot the puck and he shoots at any opportunity he gets, which is what literally mm-hmm. everyone on the team should be doing. Shoot the puck. Whenever you get the puck, shoot it. So I think that's the big thing with Wallman is he's playing. He's playing so above his value right now because his value, his contract is so cheap. And I just. What was Dom's model showing him at like seven? Yeah, like he's worth like an eight million dollar contract with the way he's producing right now. He's not going to get that, though. No, no, he won't get that. But I could see Mata getting a four million dollar contract. Is he getting a Hronik contract? Or more. Yeah, I mean, around Hronik. Hronik had a little bit more backup to his game. Like he had previous experience when he signed that contract. But I could see Wallman getting a four, four and a half million dollar contract because that's how good he's been. The person that I included in my top tier uh, compared to what you guys had, I had who you guys had, 
but then I had Billy Huso uh, in there as well. Uh, just because, I mean, the, there's been obviously some games this season where the Wings don't win if it's not for Huso. I mean, he's got 17 wins. I know his goals against average and his save percentage don't look fantastic, but I mean, he's facing a lot of shots and some nights, obviously, they kind of get lit up. Out of those 11 games, I don't, I didn't look exactly, but I can tell you that there's two or three games in there that are absolute blowouts. So, and, and they're not all Huso's fault, obviously. Um, I'll kind of go back and forth with Perron. That was the one guy I was kind of like, well, you know, should he be in the top tier? The other guy that I kind of debated putting in the top tier too, and his game has gotten much better, I feel like, is Joe Valeno. I mean, he just seems to, every time he's out there, he's, I know most players give 110%, but it feels like he's like things are starting to come together for him. Like everything's starting to feel like it looks in sync. I know he's not playing, you know, crazy minutes or anything like that, but he's another guy that I kind of debated whether putting in that top tier or not, but I ended up not. Yeah. I, I, I had who so higher, but I think since we kind of since we talked to Daniela is where things have kind of fallen off the wagon for him a little bit, it seemed like. And I that's where I just kind of brought him back down to the middle, middle of the road. Just because you mentioned that the goals against and save percentage aren't that great, they're not. I was looking at Max's article today. He, he had gone from like a 918 to like a 90, whatever it is now, 901. So that is quite the drop. And that was going from game 20 to game 34. So that's where, for me, that dropped him back down to the middle tier where, I mean, if we were having, if he was would have kept that same level, if you will, I, I would have bought into it. But I mean, what stood out to me in the comment from, I'm trying not to go too deep into the middle tier here, so I apologize, but um, you have Lalone even mentioning that I do think we've rolled out a tired Billy Hoso some games and he has not been his sharpest. So to me, it's it's a double-edged sword. Like he could have been there, but then you think about the, the, the those things that might have come into play, and it's obvious. So that that's what brought him down for me. So, but I'll let I did I digress. Yeah, I I'm kind of in the same boat uh, boat with Huso, and he made my mid tier, and it's about the same thing. Like you're right, there are games that we're not in it without Billy Huso, but there are also games where Billy Huso is not fantastic. And it, it goes back and forth. I mean, not as bad as Ned was, but it, I, I had him in my mid tier. And if we're going to go back to Perron, the only reason if if intangibles were counted and what Perron has brought to this team in terms of leadership and veteran presence, I would definitely bop him up into top tier. But the reason I moved him down into mid and it's not that he's oh he's an average player right now on the team. I'd give him a solid B. But in the past 15 games, he has three points and he's averaging 16 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time and 15 games. That's that's a third of the season so far. So or a little under a third of the season. So yeah, if he picked fair. it, if he picked it up and like you said, he's a good power play presence and he's it's it's un it's it's hard not to mention the other factors that he's brought to the team like the veteran presence and like the leadership in the room. And it's been mentioned by coaching staff. It's been mentioned by Newsy. It's been mentioned by other players that that's just what he does because he comes from a winning culture. He's won before he knows what it takes. And I'd bop him up there, but mid tier is where I put him because for me, he's a solid B. And if we move on to my mid tier, I've got Andrew cop 
because Andrew Kopp, to me, has brought it up uh, since recovering from his injury, and he's actually been very, very effective recently. I've got Perron. I put Oscar Sundquist in my mid-tier. I think he is very underappreciated for what he does for this team, and he's one of my guys that I think a lot of people underestimate Oscar Sundquist. Joe Valeno, Vili Husso, Robbie Fabry for his limited time, and Magnus Helberg. That's my mid-tier. These are like my C to C plus, C or C plus up to a, a, a solid B. Those are That's my mid-tier. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that mid-tier. Uh, the only other guy I probably would have added uh, to the mid-tier is uh, Ben Sherratt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Big fuck you. Uh, my, my, my struggle was Pia Suter. See, I have Suter there. And it just like, I know his numbers aren't fantastic. He's only got 12 points in, what, 45 games. But he's playing third and fourth line minutes. You know, it's not like last year where he's playing a lot of top six minutes. He's not doing that as much anymore this year. And, I mean, obviously, the team is much better. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the only, that's the only guy I, I kind of debated and then I did end up putting him in. So, I, I, I see him as more of a mid-tier kind of guy. I don't see him as a bottom tier. Are we talking about? P.S. Suter. I have him in my bottom tier. Yeah, he he made my bottom only because if you look at last season in 82 games, he had 36 points. This season so far in 45 games, he has 12. He's a minus seven. But the thing with him is he's one of the better 5v5 possession guys on the team. He he drives kind of the 5v5 play when he's on the ice, but he's not scoring as much as he did last season. So that's kind of what bumped Suter down for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robbie Fabry, he's done basically all you could ask of him after coming back from a major injury. And, uh, but there's not enough of there to say Robbie Fabry's a top tier right now. That's why he made my mid Helberg came in and Helberg's looked really good on a lot of nights. And then other nights he lets in two or three soft goals and, but he's what you need from a backup goaltender, I guess. Uh, I already mentioned cop. And Perron, uh, Cop has done really all you could ask of him after coming back. He's on pace for a career year. And that's, I mean, great after having core muscle surgery and getting a slow start. Joe Valeno is my mid-tier because, I mean, Joe Valeno is, is, like you said, improving. And he's finding his confidence and it's happening. And he may need to be bumped up in, in ice time a little bit to see what's going on. But also, I think Joe Valeno could be a trade target for some teams. So that that Ryan, what's your mid tier look like? So for mine, I've got Helberg and Huso. I, I I mean that's probably the safe and easy way out, but I already explained the Huso thing. Helberg, we talked about several times over. Eiserman's had his eyes on him for a while. We saw that happen starting last season, and the fact that he brought him in and he's done, as you said, all you could have asked for in his couple of starts. Um, I got Cop in there. As you mentioned, because, I mean, he started slow. I think he's finally got his footing. He actually looks like he's skating hard and with speed out there at this point. Seems like he's healthy. He, I feel like he's been better on the puck where it's just not kind of rolling off him. He's been more aggressive. So I think he's just a simple one here. I had Sunquist in the middle tier. Me too. He, I, could he have dropped? Maybe. I guess it depends on who you talk to. But, I mean, he's gone back and forth. He's also been dealing with injuries. To me, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad. There's been some nights where I'm just like, why are you out there? But it is what it is. I got Valeno, Soderblom. I don't know if we were rating him, but I had him on the middle tier because of what he was able to do in 
21 games. Robbie Fabry, again, he can't really judge him based on just a short season, but you can't be upset about what he's done. This one I struggle with. I did have Burt on the middle tier, but you could argue that he's been bottom tier. Again, when he's out there, you can still say that he is somewhat impactful, even though it's not showing up on the score sheet, which is actually hurting this team at this point. And then the last couple, I had Ned as a C, probably could be the bottom tier. I did have him on here. I didn't. I had Zarnik and Vrana, but there really wasn't a point in having either of those guys listed. So that's where I'm at with that middle tier. Goaltending mid. We have a, we have mid goaltending. There we go. Don't start using that, Brian. Mid. We've got. Did mid I even use it right? Yeah, you used it right. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'm learning. Our goaltending is very mid. That's what's happening. Us right old now. guys over here. <laughs> you're still in your 20s. Shut up. I'm 28. Okay, I'm closer to 30 than I am 20. So no, you're not. You're fine. But who? So I guess that would put, and like you were saying, guys closer to lower tier. You would put Sunny closer to lower than to upper. You'd probably put. Yep. Same with Ned. Uh, Ned, though, so my low tier, and actually, let's do this. Let's take a break really quick before we move on to the low tier, because I think that is the one that we're going to have the most uh, time lamenting on because of just how bad some people have been. So we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA team, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I've actually found the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if something you use every day, like my Raycons. Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night into your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon's start at half the price of other premium audio brands, so you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than what you would with some other guys. That way you can keep one pair in your bag, one pair in your bedroom, one pair in your car, and you're still paying less than other premium brands on the market. Even if you know you love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Your Raycons have three customizable sound profiles for when you're watching movies, listening to music, or playing games. They get a long eight hours of playtime for the everyday earbuds and 11 for the everyday speaker. And they are water and sweat resistant for those Michigan winters where you have to be out shoveling or snowblowing the driveway. So if you're ready to buy something small with a big impact, go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And we're back. And uh, we've got low tier. So my bottom tier, my bottom tier players, these are ones that are going to be the C minus to whatever you consider a failing grade. If you're in elementary school, it's an E. 
if you're in high school, it's an F, which I never understood in school why they did that. I was I was one in E and one in F. It made no sense to me, but whatever. These are your failing grade, mid low, low to failing grade. And that is Tyler Bertuzzi for me. I put Pia Suter in here. I put Adam Ernie, Ben Sherat, Gustav Lindstrom, Jordan Osterley, Robert Hag, and Alex Nedeljkovic. I have two NAs. Philip Zedina has not played enough for me to give grade to. Neither is Jacob Verana. Those are the two that I could not grade based on the amount of games they played. But that's my low tier. So Bertuzzi, like you said, Ryan, he ain't doing anything. That's the thing. Like no. he's in and he's playing hockey and he's making some play. He had some good chances the other day. Some great chances in the zero goal game against the Islanders. And it's just it's been like that for the past few games. There's just been a few chances. But when he's away from Dylan Larkin or he's on the opposite side of the ice, nothing's happening. And he's sure he's going in and maybe trying to dig out pucks a little bit, but he's not scoring. He's not putting the puck in net. He's not getting assists like there's no points. So Tyler Bertuzzi is in my low tier. Pia Suter, he could have went to my mid tier. He was one of my bounce back and forth kind of guys. I went because of the lack of points based on his performance last season. Sure, he may be driving play, but it's not resulting in anything for him. So Pia Suter there. Adam Ernie, I think he's gone at the deadline. It's just he's been scratched several times. He had some offense to him this season. Nothing's happening. Ben Sherratt, God love you. Anchor of a fucking contract right now. Gustav Lindstrom, again, after having a solid first half of the season last season. Like, what has happened? What what has happened to Gustav Lindstrom? Jordan Osterley is Jordan Osterley. I mean, he was never going to be a top tier player anyways. He, like I said, that's why if he scores on your team, you have to relocate. It's the Jordan Osterley effect. Um, he plays all right with Olimata, but I fully attribute that to Olimata propping him up. Uh, Robert Haig, if I never see his face again, it will be too soon. And then Alex Nadelkovich, Ben Steller in Grand Rapids. Stellar in Grand Rapids. Behind a struggling team. 100% shit the bed in Detroit. Like, uh, you, uh, we've said harder matchups. We've said harder schedule. The team, for some reason, plays like an AHL team in front of him and an AHL team plays like an NHL team in front of him. And it's really weird. But Ned has been very good in Grand Rapids. Now, Newsy has said that we may see Ned again. There's a chance that he comes back up and plays games and it could happen. But you need to get rid of a goalie in the offseason and Ned is making more money. And as of right now, Ned's on my low tier. And it's not even a bounce between my low and high. Like Ned for me is like a C minus D, like a D plus. Let's give Ned a D plus because there's effort there, but the rest of it's not great. So that's my low tier. I mean, like I said, the only bounce between low and mid I could have right now is PS Suter. But the rest of them, I mean, if I wanted to be nice to Osterley, Maybe, but Pia Suter is basically the only one I could bounce back and forth. What do you got, Ryan? No, I basically you're you're nicer to, to Zadina than I was. I gave him a D. I get I, I put him down in there in the bottom tier. I gave Rana the benefit of the doubt, and he he had no grade. Matt Luff and Giovanni Smith all had NAs for me, just because of their minimal playing time. But Zadina being scratched at the start of the season, then coming in and not doing anything, is why I actually put him on that bottom tier for being disappointing. Um, but the rest I had spot on my, I know I said I had Ned in the middle tier, but again, that was teetering. And then the same with Bert, but you could argue, like you said, he's bottom tier. And we're talking about it in the discord right now that he, 
yeah, Mo's saying he's hoping Burt Burt gets going. I think everyone's hoping he gets going, but you need Burt to get going. If you want to have success the remainder of this season, you need Tyler Bertuzzi scoring goals. Or if you want to trade assists, him. Or if you want to trade him and get something huge in return. Like you need Burt to get going. There, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. And if he doesn't, you trade him and now you got Jake Verona back in the lineup. So, but I mean, the rest of the guys that you mentioned, I, I really don't have much to argue against. I mean, Sherratt, we were excited because he was bringing a physical presence out there with Mo. But as time went on, that oh, new pretty player, that that wore off a little bit quicker than I think we all expected it to be. Tyler, you were always on I hate Sherratt bus, so you, you get to gloat on this one a little bit. And yeah, I'll, I'll take my victory lap in a little bit. But yeah, I, I like I. I said before that I, I didn't believe in Sherratt and, um, you know, I'm being proven right every single night that I watched this clown skate around the ice. So, I mean, he got a first round, like, is he the equivalent of Kyle Quincy at this point? He got a first round pick and you're just like, what did he, he must have a really fucking good agent? He must just have like that presence, like throughout the NHL that just for some reason, and I don't, it's not an advanced stats uh, for certain. But it's got, there's got to be like something that these GMs or or you know somewhere physical. somewhere around the league sees that he can he's a he's a good skating physical defenseman. That's about what you can probably throw down. I wouldn't at. even that call him that physical. There's games can, where he's invisible out there. No, I get that, but when he does throw the body, it you see it, and he can skate well, which opens himself up offensively a little bit. So Fair. that's that'd be the only thing you could argue, but. He hasn't been good, so no, it, it doesn't matter. I just want to say uh, yeah. NHL players or soon-to-be NHL players, if you're listening, Craig Oster from New Sports Management, uh, Newport Sports Management, he is the agent you want. <laughs> he is Ben Sherratt's agent, and holy shit, he's a fucking miracle worker. So, uh, Craig Oster, we're going to plug you because you have done some phenomenal things uh, in your career, and we're just going to give you the plug. But go ahead, Tyler. Oh, I mean, I agree with your guys' tier. I mean, it, it's it's unfair to put Zadina or Fab or Zadina or Verona down there. Um, I'll give Verona the benefit. He played two games. Zadina still played nine. Exactly. Yeah, nine games. I guess. I guess on top of being scratched for several. That is true. That is true. So, I mean, I, I guess I could see the Zadina thing. Verona obviously it gets an NA for me just because. I mean, he. Hasn't played. How many games has he actually played? Three, two, two. Okay, so not very many. So it, it, I, I think the biggest thing is there's too many players on this bottom tier still, and too many people in in the mid tier still. And this, if you talk about playoffs or you talk about you know developing and getting better, you need to see more more players be more consistent. And and I think that's really the biggest thing that we talk about here, in terms of of you know, the, the value of this whole list here, um, you know, there's, there's not enough players on that top tier. See, I mean, Tyler, to your point, like not having enough guys up top. I mean, we just talked about a lot of guys being borderline mid to low tier and you can't have that, especially for a team that yes, we can argue is an improved team, but you look at the records this year to last year and you're like, Oh, that's not really much difference, but I mean, they've allowed the, the, the plus minus and goal differential is a lot better. They're allowing less goals, but they're still getting outscored. Um, but to that point, I was just over in the discord. I mean, they're five, six and two in December, which we knew was going to be a difficult month. 
but there were games they could have won and there were games that they just flat out looked bad. And then they followed that up last month in January or this month, if it's the 30th. So last month, five, seven, and one in January, not good enough. You can't be going into this point in the season struggle busting. And they did. So, but again, it's to that point where, I mean, through all those games that weren't very good in December, ended up was Ned's downfall. Now he's in Grand Rapids. Is he doing well? For the most part, but he's not here. He's not helping this team get better. And that was the expectation that he would be a 1A, 1B complement to Billy Huso. And that ain't happening. We thought Sherratt would be more aggressive. He's falling off the wagon. Suter, he's just kind of eh. Ernie, we were cautiously optimistic, I think, for him to be more of an impact player. Middle six is your best case scenario. Well, yeah, based on how he finished last season, you thought he might pick up the offense a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 14 points in 43 games for a guy getting 13, almost 14 minutes of ice time. It's not the best, but it's not. It's also not great. But again, he just hasn't been good. Jordan Osterley, more often than not, not good. Haig, bad. Lindstrom has been bad. Uh, let's see. Who haven't I touched on? Haig has been already pathetic. Hit. Who? Robert Haig has been pathetic. Lindstrom yeah, been I wasn't pathetic expecting too. that. That's where you really wish his Achilles wasn't, you know, made of glass. But there's just too many guys that have just been eh and haven't elevated their game, like to, going all the way back to your point there, Tyler. So it's that that's, I think, the frustrating part. And then Burt being unhealthy and then just having five points in 17 games, that has just been the ultimate stab in the back. Yeah, when you've got 15 guys that make mid-tier and low-tier, and then not really any of them besides I had maybe Perron teetering up to that top, and the rest are still sitting at mid to low, that's not that's why you're in the position you're in now. Like you you may you're not making the playoffs, but you're going to improve over last season. We know you're going to do that because of who was brought in and what they've been able to do. I think we have actually some of the most productive team additions out of the entire NHL from the offseason. So you're going to you're going to teeter that way. You're going to teeter towards making the playoffs. Now, again, maybe Eiserman isn't super happy with some of the people. I know he's definitely not happy with Ben Schrott and what Ben Schrott has done, which I mean, who would be? But you need some more of these guys to bump up into top tier. And maybe next season, like I said, there have been guys that have that have really done well or started to do better like Joe Valeno. Maybe next season Joe Valeno can pop up into that top tier. Maybe Robbie Fabry can go up to that top tier. Maybe Perron and and Cop will solidify themselves in that top tier. And that's what we need going forward. Maybe Huso comes back lights out because maybe we put a better defense in front of him. So a lot of this leads up to the trade deadline. Like what guys are going who is Iserman going to bring in? Because now we miss out on Horvat. Maybe Iserman goes after Timo Meyer. Now, with what Horvat got on the return, if they want a first for Timo Meyer again, he's not going to bite at it. But they can't qualify. Meyer would be a guy that I would trade a first for. Maybe. I mean, but it depends on where you think you're going to finish. And if Iserman thinks he's going to finish with a top 10 pick, I'm not trading it. Maybe I top 10 protect it and move it to next season. But... Maybe you need. You I be, think if it was if it was protected like the Islanders, they they're doing top twelve protected. Would you consider that to be a smart trade if it got if it somehow bumped to next year? 
I guess it depends on what else they want. So the thing is, is they're going to ask for another good player or a good prospect. They might ask you for Marco Casper. They might ask you for Simon Edvinson. That's a thing. They might they might ask you for William Wallander. And maybe you say, or an Albert Johansson. Maybe I say okay to an Albert Johansson and a protected first. One and, of the defensive prospects, not Edvinson, obviously, but one of the defensive prospects I would be okay with parting with, especially if it's not Johansson and... Um, you know, but not both of them. You would you would want to just give up one. Um, it, it, that way, you still have the other, Wallander or Johansson. And you're, yeah, I guess as long as it's protected. Because if it's not lottery protected, then I mean that's that's where it gets sticky, and that's where. But I mean, do you think that in this draft, and I know it's deep, but do you get a player of of Timo Meyer's caliber if you're a top ten? In this draft, because I, mean, I mean, Timo Meyer is a damn good player. Yeah, but if you do, they're still two, three years away from making the team at that point, generally. So if you were to trade it like Ryan, I think I'd be OK if you were to trade a protected first and one of the glut of defensive prospects and maybe a Philip Zadina or a, a roster player who's not going to have a huge impact uh, if we if we take them off of the roster. And maybe that's where you get a Timo Meyer. And because, again, the Sharks are not working from a position of strength because it's qualifying offers like ten point five million dollars and they don't have the money. They can try to bargain with them and say, hey, we'll sign you to an eight million dollar contract. But I'm not even sure they have the money to do that. So if you're looking at maybe you go after a Timo and again, this free agent class like blows. So I think you're looking at unless a Pasternak makes it to free agency, which I don't see happening. And even if he does, he's going to get like 11 or 12 million dollars, which is going to be insane. I mean, not insane because he's worth it. Just insane because that's a lot of money. No, insane. Insane. You're not giving a winger 11 or 12 million dollars. That's insane. Sure you are. I mean, he'll ask for it and he'll get it because look at the production. It's kind of funny, though, how he he always talked about. And I don't know. He hasn't really come out and really talked about it from what I've I've heard of people saying here. Um, but I do know, and here's, here's your Bruins minute for you. <laughs> um, but, but welcome no, to Bruins corner with Tyler, <laughs> right? Basically. Um, but no, I, from, from what, what I always remember, he had an interview with another podcast and might've been spitting chiclets or something. And basically he said that like, he doesn't play for the money and that, you know, he took less to stay with the Bruins because they have a good team and blah, blah, blah. Is this Pasternak? Sorry. Okay. The, the last contract. I mean, I, if you look at their like history, they don't ever give anybody top dollar. It seems like they, they always get a player to take a hometown discount, whether it's Bergeron or Marchand or McAvoy or any of those guys. So I'm assuming that it'll still come in somewhere high, but I don't think it'll be 11. I, I think that's insane to be honest, but I mean, if he gets to market, I mean, yeah, the, the someone will pay it because you know, he's a, 30 35 goal score every year has he hit 40 yet that's career. ryan you're gonna pay pasta 11 million dollars absolutely in a heartbeat with the he wings had 40, he had 48 goals in 1920 and he had 40 in 21 22 oh there you go so he is a 40 goal score he's Boys. had he's had 35 goals or more one two three four five times and one of those years is this current season 
Everyone around here seems to bitch about him, how he floats around sometimes and doesn't play any Wouldn't defense. care. Let him come to Detroit then. I would pay him that money. Like he, Panarin, if the wings were in that window, I would have wanted Iserman going all in on him. Pasternak is going to fit that current, this window that we're looking at. I, if he goes to free agency, absolutely. You go, yeah, but do you go all in on a winger or do you wait until Matthews and try to go in all in on him? Well, cap's going up. See what happens. That's true. That is true. Could end up with both of them. I know that's weird. Does that sound? That's a crazy thing to even assume. What is it possible? I don't know. But you bring in a guy like Pasternak with the way this roster is building out, is it great? No, he immediately makes your team better. And if you get a guy like Rana, if you bring him in next season, you have a guy like Rana actually back into it. He hasn't been traded off or or bought out. Now you've got two of the most prolific potential five-on-five goal scorers in hockey. And would you imagine they're both checks? Yep. Hmm. So, I don't know, man. He also there was also rumors flying around that said Pasternak would not resign with the Bruins if Sweeney was still the general manager. So I do remember hearing that, and I think that's a bunch of bullshit. To be honest, I don't know, man. You. Apparently, a lot of players hate Sweeney because he makes really fucking stupid moves, which was evident every step of the way. All the more, so, you know, it's hilarious. You, you know, it's hilarious though. All the ones he made this past off season worked out for him. Sure, and if the Somehow. Bruins and if the Bruins win a cup, there's no fucking reason for Pasta to stay with the Bruins. So why, like, I mean, it's possible, but I, at the end of the day, I think he extends there because, I mean, he's young enough, and they'll just say you could be a Bruin forever, and he'll be like, okay, and he'll just sign with the Bruins. It's, it's, it's what's going to happen because we're never allowed to have a really, really exciting off season where there's like huge name free agents available. It just never happens. There's, right. some, I mean, there's. They're selling pasta in the store um, with his face on it, and it's called Pasta's Pasta. <laughs> of course it is, because it's the fucking stupidest thing ever. And then Marshand has a cereal called Marsh's Munch. I saw it the other day. <laughs> Remember when Stevie had Stevie's Stars? What? I've got a box oh. of Stevie's Stars uh, somewhere <laughs> in my basement. Uh, That's amazing. That. <laughs> so, I mean, right now... Boston's going into next season with 21.8 million in projected cap. And that's without that's with a one million dollar bump to the salary. And the guys that are free agents are their two top centers, Bergeron and Krejci, both of them. And Bergeron yeah, but retire, I mean, and so could Ber- Krejci. Bergeron, I mean, I could see him taking league vet minimum at this point because he already is down to 2.5 this year. Krejci, is he going to come back? I don't know. He might go back home. One, he could retire. Again. And if you actually look at what he's done, he hasn't been phenomenal. I think I think if they if they were to win the cup and, and I mean that's a big if still. There's 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 some holes on that team. Uh, and if they were, I mean both of those guys are probably gone, right? You would think. Oh yeah. They'd go out of the bang. If they win, they both have nothing left to play for. Yeah, and and same with Pasta. Yeah, I agree. I, don't know. They, I mean, Nick Foligno, you got to think they let him walk. Craig Smith, he you can bring him back cheap. No sick, same. You're gonna maybe have to start paying Trent Frederick a little bit more because he's he's making one million, but he's arbitration eligible, so you you know that contract's going up. 
all their money right now is in their defense, which for them is great because a lot of their guys are under 30. But you're going to see a huge bump, and that $21 million is going to shrink really quick in terms of their salary, what's available next season. So, Especially if they get Pasternak $11 million. Holy yeah. Well, that's where you see a guy like Nick Foligno gone because he's making 3.8 right now. Craig Smith is making 3.1. You can't have Pasta sign that deal. Like he's eating up those two contracts right there. I will say one thing Pasta's, uh, you know, a charismatic kind of dude. And uh, you know how Crosby got eight, 8.7 or whatever. I could see Pasta getting an uh, eight year deal worth 11 million per. So it's eight years, 88 million. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think as we're going to end it tonight, uh, I, like I said, it's just more we need more of the mid-tier guys to bump up to top tier in order to make a playoff push. Just in, in having the that, season. We just need the guys in the bottom tier to go mid. But luckily, Elmer Soderbloom has been tearing it up in Grand Rapids. Simon Edmondson has been really good these past couple games. I think he's got, what, three points in two games or two goals in three games. He's been very good. And Verona seems like he's getting back on track. And that's the big one that I want to happen so badly is that our post-trade deadline major acquisition could be a healthy and productive Verona, which would be fantastic for our offense. Um, but I want to get your guys' final thoughts before we sign off. I'm going to start with Tyler. All right. Yeah, my final thoughts are, I mean, we talked about a lot of this. And, uh, you know, this team obviously is kind of teetering um, whether they're going to be a playoff team or not, um, or whether they're even going to be in the mix in the playoffs or not. But it, it just feels like if they could score some more goals, man, they would have chances to win a lot of these games. Like, they just don't score enough goals. They don't generate enough scoring opportunities. And when they do get the opportunities, they don't bury them. So I, I, that's, that's just my main concern about the team. I'd like to see Verona come back at some point here. Um, I don't know if that's something that is possible. or I, I mean, I know it's possible, but I don't know if it's something that you know, they've discussed or what's going to happen here. I guess if Bertuzzi were to get dealt, then you can just call Verona up or if one of the forwards, you know, but I don't know. My final thoughts are just enjoy the rest of the season. It's not, I mean, there's still a decent amount of time left. Enjoy the all-star break. Enjoy the uh, the skills competition, which should be fun. Um, I know the game itself kind of blows, which we've kind of discussed, but um, I, I mean, Whatever it is, what it is, they're just dicking around and they're trying to make a million dollars, right? Isn't that what the prize is? Million dollars or something. So whatever. I, I don't know. What, what what are you supposed to do? It's an all star game. You know, pretty much all of these all star games nowadays are losing lust, anyways. You saw the Pro Bowl is now a reimagined flag football game. So I mean, I don't know. But you can Go follow watch me on Twitter. Last of Us on HBO. There you go. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Sealdog ninety one. So for me, it's enjoy this time off over the next week because it's going to come back and it might hurt a little bit. I mean, it, first game back is Edmonton. We have a Canadian home and away series, more or less. We have three games home starting off February 7th. You got Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. You would like to think that each of those games are winnable, but you never know because then they go on the road. They got at Vancouver, at Edmonton, at Calgary. They have their West Coast trip. And they close it on the East Coast. From really the remainder of the season, I can't remember what it was, but the Wings have one of the most difficult second halves out of any team, or it is the worst. The most difficult second The most half difficult remaining schedule of anyone in the NHL. It's going to be 
a hell of an uphill battle. And as that, as we just talked about, if several of those guys in our low tier, arguably do not step it up into that middle tier, it's going to be painful. They just had consecutive losing months in terms of their record. And that's why we see ourselves now on the outside looking in for that wildcard spot. Is that the reality of where the situation should have been for this season? Probably. Is it where they should really be based on how the season has gone? No. You could argue that they should be right there at that wildcard point. Now, I get it. It's what, five points that we're at looking at right now? 50, 57 points. Seven points out of the wildcard behind Pittsburgh. They got games in hand. They got things that could potentially go in their favor. They need to elevate that game. Hopefully this week off, that means we're going to see Zadina back at the end of, the, at the end of this all-star break. Maybe he comes back and finally finds something because I tell you what, if he doesn't, he's gone. And my, my, my leash to him is very short. But Bert, of all the guys that we've had out there that have returned from injury, Fabry's doing his part. You need Bertuzzi to show up and do something that we've seen the last several years when he's fully healthy. You can argue that he is fully healthy. He's looked better. It's the points haven't come. They need to for this team to actually start to push and be more consistent. I feel like if that happens, then we might see an, an elevation of this team a little bit. If not, we're going to see more of the same, and that could be getting kind of frustrating over the next month going into the uh, the trade deadline. So we'll see. It's uh, kind of a meh year to this point. Can't be mad. Can't be too excited. But they're they're competing. So we'll see what happens after the All Star break. Other than that, already around 33. Yeah, my final thoughts are going to be next week. We have YouTube creator Lego Rocks 99 coming on to talk hockey. He'll be interesting to talk to since, you know, both Horvat just got traded. And we'll see his thoughts on the trade because he is also a Canucks fan. So he will be joining us on the show to talk Red Wings hockey. Um, but you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for hosting us and spreading us around. We also give a shout out to Vintage Detroit which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use promo code GRINDLINE at HowieshockeyTape.com, you get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off your order. You can check out our merch at Redbubble.com by searching The GRINDLINE, and we would love for you to go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe there and turn on those notifications for whenever new videos go live, because I assume things will start picking up and not when we record, so there will be videos in between our episodes to break things down, especially with Iserman being a wizard and doing things at 2 a.m. So that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.